Hiya, welcome to Space Brains tonight. It's episode 99 and we are talking about science fiction film, everything, everywhere, all at once. Hi, and welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 99. 99. 99, and we're talking about science fiction film, everything, everywhere, all at once. In this episode, we'll reveal what we, Space Brains, thought about the film, the ins and outs of narrative, a bit about film language, plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Everything Everywhere All at Once was written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneiart, I believe, uh, or commonly known as The Daniels. The Daniels. Why not? Hey. There's two Daniels. If you haven't seen this film, you better turn back now because this is your spoiler warning. Warning, warning, warning. Warning. We're going to go into everything, every sausage-fingered waving (laughs) moment of this film. Yes. And then tune back in and listen to what we have to say because... Hopefully it's exciting. I hope so, yeah. Hopefully yes. you do tune back in. That's the main thing. Yes, it's good. We're, we've got some good stuff to say. We are. So, And if you haven't seen this film, why not? Go watch it. It's great. Go watch it. It's won a stack of awards. It has. It's blitzed everyone across the world the last uh, 12 months. So Everything Everywhere All at Once is about a middle-aged Chinese immigrant to the US who's swept up into an insane adventure, and it is... Insane. It is cray-cray. <laughs> In which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led, including Sausage Fingers. Including, yeah, there is a connection between this film and a previous one we have reviewed. Interesting. So what was your number one takeaway from Sausage... I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> My Sorry. number one takeaway from everyone, ever, all at once is this connection with a previous <laughs> film. We did a film called uh, um, The Subject Unknown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? What yeah. was the initial, the main name of that? Uh, like Infinitum. Infinitum. Infinite. I was thinking Infinity, but that's yeah. that... Um, no, that's another one. Yeah, the Australian one. No, yeah. Infinitum, Infinitum, Subject Unknown, which to refresh everyone, if you haven't heard the episode, mm. it was a film that was created during COVID lockdown, uh, husband, film, and, husband yeah. and wife team filmed entirely on an iPhone uh, and it explored similar themes to this one of multiple dimensions and timelines of the same person's life. Mm. The connection is beyond that, though. In the end of Infinitum, we d- discovered that the character we've been following was leading the worst life mm, that's right. of all of us. And like yeah. she was the one who was never found, who never succeeded, mm. which was a, a horrifying terror, if you yeah. ask me. <laughs> and, of course, in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, our main character is, um, played by Michelle Yao, is leading also the worst existence of all of her op- opportunities. And I really loved this different view on it, mm. which is that because uh, Infinitum was definitely not a hopeful film. No. This one however, is, the, is the hopeful film. It's like because she was the worst, she was the best. <laughs> because she had had so many different things that she had tried and failed at, yeah. there were so many different things, uh, so many different 
lives she could tap into to gain power from. Mm. And I, I found that a, a really inspiring metaphor for not feeling defeated just because you haven't succeeded. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's the old, uh, who is it, Thomas Edison, I think is, it's like, you know, he's, he's tried a thousand different light bulbs, not one of them's worked. And so I says, well, you know, that's useless. And he says, no, I found a thousand different ways it doesn't work. Yeah. I only have to find one way that it does. That's right. And this film, that's what I really got from this film is that even if you think you're living your worst life, that just means you've got so much ahead. Yeah. And above yeah. and around you. Yeah. And I think you said it and I agree. It's, it is a hopeful film. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. So it's not really a warning or an experiment. I think it is a just a pure joy, hopeful sort of story. It's a very traditional, although it is everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, and the film really does throw everything at the audience uh, in terms of all of these parallel universes and, and even the way that they visually show that to us with like this enormous amount of shots from all sorts of dimensions and things all at once at the end of the day it it is just that real hopeful story of someone that hasn't had much go right for her and because that's the case she is the hero she's she's the hero that then has to succeed leaning on the fact that her life hasn't been that great, really. Well, well, she starts at rock <laughs> bottom. So, yeah, the only way is up, you know. The only way is up. When you right. when you've been knocked on your back, yeah, you can only see the sky. Yeah, and I mean, she, you're right. She stop starts at rock bottom, but she even goes deeper, really. Oh yeah, you she know, goes, like it goes, it goes further. She it gets lit- worse. Literally becomes a rock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the rock dimension. The rock dimension. So, um, yeah, and there's an interesting thing with that is that the that scene was supposed to not have any um, subtext as in it was just the rocks that was in the script and Michelle's her name isn't it the lead actor yeah lead actor she she actually was the one that said no they need to talk they need to actually talk to each other so they added that in um so postscript so yeah so it is she no I think her world gets worse it's it's the same you know, this is the hero's journey, this film, like yes. to a T, really. Hears, it's another hears, example of in it fact, being done well. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. Normally we'd use the 16-beat structure from Save the Cat, which also works for this film, absolutely. It does. Uh, but, um, you know, we should probably do some hero's journey stuff to yeah, sort of contrast the, the four stages yep. or the, the seven steps in four stages or whatever mm. is the hero's journey is, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it does. It, it, she... You're right. She starts at rock bottom. She it gets worse for her. You know, the journey, she has to go on a journey to really discover who she is. She's tested to the limits, and during that, all of her past is dra- you know dragged up. Mm. And realistically, this the way for her to succeed is to realize what strength she did have at the start. Mm. So it's, it's yeah, it's a great film. This one, and it's a great example of that. You know, taking the audience on a really unique visual journey, but based on that narrative structure that we all know works. So it's a it's a great one in that way. So why haven't you seen it? Well, you should have seen it by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, you're about to, to hear all about it. So there you go. Uh, I mean, this film came out in 2022. As we said, it's won heaps of awards over last year's last year. Sorry, have you uh, just seen it for the purpose of our podcast, or did you seen it before that? No, I, I saw it on purpose. 
because I'd heard about it. I saw some ads for it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a bit of a fan of Michelle. I've watched a number of her you know, appearances in Hong Kong films and this is definitely a Hong Kong style film. Mm. There's uh, The humour in it is distinctly Hong Kong. Yeah. And I I sorted out and watched it. It did get a little bit bizarre for my wife as mm. she was watching it with me. Yeah. But I laughed out loud in numerous moments in this. The rock, <laughs> the rock scene was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> I'll, 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 try, I'll try not to go into it at least. Yeah. But yes. Uh, and so I, I watched it because I heard it was quite good. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised it won some awards because mm. it it's one of these films it managed to, because we've watched a couple of films, let's say Gantt Zero, which is mm. this anime uh, Japanese film, which it was just, you watch it and you go, this is quite... From a Western point of view, it's quite bizarre. Yeah. Possibly, and I, I can't speak for Japanese people, obviously, but possibly less bizarre for them because yeah, yeah. they've probably Culture. seen multiple yeah, yeah. incarnations. But uh, maybe it was maybe Gansu was just a little bit too far off. Yeah. Whereas then you watch this one here, which has definitely got that Hong Kong weirdness to it, mm. which, uh, yeah, I, I spent many a Saturday night watching the Hong Kong cult films yeah, yeah. on SBS. Yeah. And then, but they managed to pull it in with this Hollywood sensibility mm. and using some of the tropes and ideas that Hollywood has established through yeah. the Matrix. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah this, this film owes a lot to that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was able to see that this film is definitely going to win attention because it's different enough to be feel fresh mm-hmm. but recognisable enough that it wasn't going to alienate yeah. audiences. Yeah. And I think um, so like you can have absurd films as well, like even in the West and someone like David Lynch films, a Razorhead, Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive and a whole bunch of other really interesting films. But And there's other filmmakers like David Lynch. He's just probably one of those ones that sort of sticks out a bit. And his narrative style and his shooting style and even the quirkiness involved in his films deviate from the Western narrative. So like Gantz Zero, another good example there from Japan. But if you take like a Western filmmaker, David Lynch, but a lot of his films are this absurd kind of genre where there's moments that don't make sense. Mm. And as an audience, we need to decide whether we can go with it or whether that's like too offensive for us. Yeah. And there was something I also learned when I went through film school is there's kind of like the, they call it the audience triangle. And so if you took a Hollywood film, it would be in the middle of a triangle, like right in the middle. And what they mean by that is it's just kind of the, the all the common tropes that we're used to, the hero's journey, boy meets girl, you know, boy doesn't like girl, girl doesn't like boy, you know, and we, we kind of know that. And that's where the audience, the generic uh, storytelling Works. Not saying whether it's good or bad, it's just literally that's like, and if you look at that part of the triangle, that's the largest part. So the Mm. largest audience likes that. However, you can go to all the points of the triangle, and I'm not going to remember exactly, there was sort of a reason why there was three points as well. But I think maybe one point was narrative and one was like genre and one's like, you know, the style or something. And the idea is that, of course, the closer you get to a triangle, what happens is the edges get closer and closer. And that was symbolic for the audience getting smaller and smaller until you get to the point where you've got like zero audience members. And so a film like this is quite interesting because I think narrative wise, although it seems a bit crazy and out there, the narrative is very clearly, you know, the hero's journey. 
Yeah. Like it really ticks all those boxes. You said the Blake Schneider stuff as well. Like, you know, but if you took the hero's journey, I think you could literally tick those boxes in this film. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a story we haven't collectively seen on big American or, you know, Western stories, like a Chinese middle-age immigrant. In an unhappy marriage. <laughs> you know, she's very unaspiring at the start of this story, you know. And so it's not the traditional, you know, white guy going to the office, is it, you know. So um, I, I think they sort of disguised the narrative really well and they talked about a topic here that's really interesting as well, like an, an immigrant, and they discussed some of those themes in this film. But then what they did in the absurd way, get more closer to the one of the pointy ends of the triangle, was the, yeah, the style and the visuals and the look and the, you know, all these multiple universes playing out, the costumes. Oh, my God. Oh, know, yeah. The costumes. So, actually, I don't know. Did this film win a costume Oscar or something? I mean, surely I, it should I stopped have. counting all yeah. the ones it won. <laughs> I should have probably looked at that a bit closer, but... That was something that all that you know that to me is a standout of this film is the costumes. You know, it's just incredible that attention to detail in the costumes. Yeah, so I mean, in that way, it's a bit absurd. This sausage fingers and these other things that happen, quite you know, abstract and blown away. You know, it's the old we're in a circus and it's all the freaks are on display, but realistically broken down, it's a very traditional structure. Mm. So I think they've done really clever in that you can't help but watch this and cheer on our protagonist by the time you get halfway through the story, you want to see her succeed like we do Neo in The Matrix and hoping that she kind of can see how strong she is as a character. And But at the same time, there's all this absurd visuals going on. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's what, blow, that's what did blow me away from this film. Yeah, it was, it was quite, the, quite the journey. It, it was, as I said, it it became a bit much for my wife. Yeah, yeah. She she prefers a slightly more grounded film. Yeah. What did we watch the other night is that new one by Jordan Peele. Nope, it's just come out on Netflix. Yeah, right. So we took the opportunity. I'd recommend it. Yep. Uh, at least one or two thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> we we might do it in a future episode. Yeah. Uh, I think it's worth doing. It's pretty. It's it's good. In fact, I was going to say from the point of view of creating a sci-fi film that's gripping and does everything you need to do but has a budget in mind, Yeah, it fits that bill perfectly. Like it, if you gave it more money, it wouldn't have been able to do anything more. Mm, that's interesting, isn't and it? And it didn't need a lot of money to start with. Mm. I mean, you know, reasonable amount of money. Yeah, there was millions of dollars involved, yeah. but it was more like the $10 million, $20 million mark rather than the $80 million, $150 million mark. You couldn't have done anything with the more money except maybe get bigger named actors in it, yeah. which wouldn't have improved the story. And this film here, I think I think that it is, yeah, not as grounded as Nope or The Godfather. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah, so it, it can lose some actors, some audience. So you're yeah, talking yeah. about heading towards these corners. Yeah. Clearly this isn't purely in the middle. No. But I think it does overlap enough yeah, yeah. that there are enough people to... Carry it through. Yeah. And, I mean, I, as I mentioned as well, I think the theme, the diversity theme that's happening that we're seeing come out of especially Hollywood, you know, that we are seeing stories from other points of view, not mm. just the white middle-aged American uh, dude. Here we've almost got uh, immigrant, Chinese immigrant, uh, middle-aged, aging as well. Actually, she's probably over middle age, I suppose, is her character. 
um, same with her husband, you know, and they're the she's the central protagonist, you know, she's not a young, good looking white man. And so, you know, this is part of a bit of a diversity shift coming out of Hollywood as well. So they kind of are hitting something that's a little bit off the normal sort of mark. You yeah. Know? And that, that and that's on that that's what's happening, but these guys are are hitting that. Um, the Daniels as well, uh, I think I said it to you last time, have a previous film with them, is that Swiss Army Man, you yes. know, starring Daniel Radcliffe, uh, who plays the dead floating body yeah. <laughs> that saves the guy from, a, you know, an island or whatever. He's located on an island. And, um, again, that's quite an absurd it, story, you know, that we have it this departs, character. It departs know. from ordinarily, ordinarity. Yeah. Ordinarility. <laughs> but it still is a, you know, it's kind of still a pretty traditional narrative. You know, a guy yeah, gets oh, stuck and he has to get off, you know, this island and, and does, you know, is he going to survive? You know, it's a, it's the person lost in the wilderness. But what's absurd is that, yeah, he uses a dead body to do it, you know. Yeah, and instead of, because Castaway, he has Wilson, his yeah. volleyball yeah. that he talks to and sort of helps him through things. I mean, this is no different. It's no. just it's a little bit more absurd. Yeah, because you've got <laughs> this corpse that is embodied with intelligence. Mm. You know, it's- yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And again, that could be something that you could imagine some people turning off that. You know, watching yeah, it's, that. It's too and, silly. And it's going, like, oh, it doesn't is, make any sense. This How, doesn't actually. Yeah. Is he is he a zombie? Like yeah. what? Like no, no, no. It's 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 a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these Daniels obviously like to push it, and I know they've done some music video clips that have put them in favour with a lot of you know creatives out there and musicians because they've done some pretty absurd ideas and weird music mm. clips. So go go online and check out some of their work. Um, obviously, they're going to have probably big things from here because of the success of this film. I would imagine they'd be able to pitch their next idea to quite a few people <laughs> after winning the Oscars, oh, yeah. etc. So, what is anything you up to yourself? Sorry, sci-fi wise or creative wise? Uh, well, foolishly, I uh, spoke to you at length about this prior to recording, but yeah. I'll repeat it again here. I have been playing Just probably with- a bit quicker. I've been playing with the AI. Uh, so we, we all know that OpenAI Just has, playing with AI. Yeah, has, this is what has released does in his free time. chat GPT 3 and 4. Yeah. And yeah, people are saying it's going to replace you know, humans, people. Out and, of jobs, people. And, like, uh, and, and I, I play with it real. and I looked and realised it's not. It, it will remove work, but to say it's going to displace people I think is wrong. Yeah. Because what it really does is it takes it's an automation tool which takes drudgery out of work. Woo-hoo. So you could well we imagine if you're a copywriter for a you know advertising firm, you would normally have to write copy and and the process of that it probably looks something along the lines of uh brainstorm a couple of ideas, write some generic copy that makes sense, sit on it for a little bit, look over it and then re-edit it and then take it to other people and you know like there's this whole process involved. Mm. ChatGPT can produce that first ideas list very yeah. quickly. As in, as quickly you can say, give me some ideas about how to sell baked beans. Bang. It'll give you as many as you say. You say, give mm. me 10 ideas. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, write some ad copy as if you're selling a tin of baked beans to kids. And it'll just bang. And it's like, it's a bit generic. Mm-hmm. Like people who are trying to say that this GPT thing is intelligent, is they clearly have not used it much because... On first blush, it seems pretty clever. Mm. And then as soon as you start digging and trying to get it to do things, you realise that you're 
having to do a lot of prompting and instructing and manipulation. And then you end up with text, which is, you know, good-ish. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to win awards. You're not going to write everything everywhere all at once using no. ChatGPT. But the thing is, that's the boring slow bit mm. of your writing is writing that initial draft, that sort of expression of some idea. And then it's a matter of, going, okay, well, that's much better. Now I'm going to improve it. And you go, it's, it's really inspired my creativity, which, bang, that's where you do, that's your paid work. That's what you get paid for as a, I use the example of a copywriter. Yeah. As a copywriter, you don't get paid to come up with the generic bland marketing words. No. You get paid because you can take that and you can just change a little bit, add a bit of a comma, choose a few careful Use words, <laughs> you know, add the right pun in, you know, like, you know, yeah. just do it just right so that it, it actually, to use the phrase, it pops. You know, yeah. like you read it and you go, oh, that's yeah. that's cool. ChatGPT doesn't produce, oh, oh, wow, responses. It, it produces, oh, that's pretty interesting for a computer to produce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've been doing with it. So I've... I've used it, uh, you, you'll see it on, if you jump onto filmfestival.spacerange.com.au and you check out the latest news, you'll find there's a, uh, I think I've uploaded the flyer or the, the program mm. and it's got some background artwork. That's AI generated. Right. Uh, flyer I'm having printed now to hand around to local businesses uh, is, is likewise this AI generated artwork. It, it took me a few goes to find one that was good. But it's, you know, it literally is a, you know, I wrote a text because I'm not very good at drawing. And I could have gone on to something like Fiverr or Airtasker or something yeah. and uh, and paid 30 bucks for someone to come up with something. Yep. But this was just me typing a sentence, you know, astronaut eating popcorn, watching a movie in space, 70s retro style. Yeah. And I did a few iterations of that, changed a couple words around just to sort of change See the emphasis. Yeah, yeah. And I got one and went, oh. That will do nicely. There we go. So I've been playing with AI and it's definitely going to remove the drudgery from your work. If you can if you're clever enough to find some way to have it automate what you're doing, mm. you're gonna find boring hours of your life disappeared. If you if you're that guy in the movies who has to write like reports for a boss, I'm never too sure what job that is. Yeah. I but don't you know, know like the guy who like you know has to write reports. Make sure that report that is done by Friday. Done by Friday. I've never understood yeah, I don't know what, what report, report is, would maybe. they want from them. If you, if that's you, I reckon you could get Jack. Chat GPT to do that for you. Oh, absolutely! And your boss wouldn't really notice. Oh yeah, and I've <laughs> I've used it. I've put pages of my book in, and asked. I've said, "Hey, Chat, pretend you're an excellent editor of you know science fiction and fantasy novels, mm. and come up with some grammatic and stylistic suggestions for this." And yeah. I've, I've pasted in pages of my work, and it's come up with like between sort of three and five changes mm-hmm. yeah, to suggest. Yeah. And, and awesome. I've looked at them, gone. I, you know, it's fresh eyes. It's good. Like yep. this is saving me a lot of time. Like normally I'd do all the writing and then I'd laboriously read it out loud and record myself reading it out yeah, loud. Yeah, that's a good trick. And then, you know, you you very quickly discover where that the doesn't, yeah, but it's, you, I say very quickly, but, you know, you're reading a 70,000 word manuscript. <laughs> There's nothing very quick about no, that. And it does take time. So, but yeah. copy and paste a bit into this chat GPT and you, you can flick through a couple of chapters, you know, in half an hour yeah, and cool. get back. Each page you'll get back, you know, three to five suggestions on how to uh, improve it, make it better, whatever. Oh, awesome. Cool. So that's what I'm doing. AI, yeah. it's my future. Yeah. 
Good. And and yourself, how are you going with your creativity? Yeah, well, it's just at the moment I'm on the page really, so just writing, writing without AI. Oh, um, right. But <laughs> just writing away uh, short scripts and the plan is obviously also I've spoken about previously this low-budget feature. So um, when there's a little bit more time, probably when the Space Frames Festival, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, gets a bit closer, I might have a little bit more time to really dive deeper into oh, the feature. You should definitely get chat to try some of your dialogue. Yeah. Because yeah. if you give it your, like, um, character dialogue. one, yeah. you say, you give them a, a bit of a character description of yeah. their, their, who they are, how they talk. How they would talk. <laughs> and then you be the other character and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. And you might get some interesting... That's an interesting in, idea, Interesting yeah. sort of... Uh, I'll say natural dialogue because ChatGPT has been trained on, you know, lots of text of natural dialogue and things. Cool. So Yeah, yeah, always it, worth it. It might role. be like a, um, a read-through, a table read. Yeah, table uh, read. Effectively. For sure. So, yeah, I've just been writing, basically writing, 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 really, as much as I can. Yeah, which is great. Oh, good. I can't wait to see. No, it's coming. It's coming. When there's a little bit more, I think once we get past the festival for this year. So, and speaking of the festival, speaking of the festival, yeah, we've booked places. People were coming. Tickets yep. are on sale. So we're going to uh, screenings at the Reading Cinema in Mandra. Yep. The workshops are at the Watso, which is just across the road. Yeah, Watso is a shared working space. They've got a boardroom there. It's yep. going to be there. So, the reason we have the boardroom this year is we've got. Uh, Two big hands-on practical workshops. We do. So we've got the podcasting one, which we'll be doing. You'll actually get to see, you know, I don't know, that. depending on how many people turn up, but you record a bit, mm. see it edited, see how you actually then, you know, save it, rec- you know, produce a podcast yep. and where you're going to put it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know about that and the writing one, we've got Stephen Dedman. He's a... Um, a teacher of writing, a mm-hmm. writer of writing. He's an editor of numerous science fiction yeah, magazines, he's a massive, and extensive he's he's done a lot for decades and decades. <laughs> and decades and, he and is, decades. he's going to take you know the lucky participants through a writing exercise yep, for nice. science fiction. So yep. that's going to be awesome. Yep. And, and we have a special guest flying in. We do all the way from sunny Queensland, as they say, uh, feature filmmaker Luke Sparks. So we've had him on the show previously. He's a science fiction filmmaker and, yeah, and also probably drama or gangster, I think, is his latest film that's coming out. Is a bit more like that, apparently. But, yeah, he just came off that with Leo Barry and Sam Neill. So, you know, we're talking... He and is Rachel a, Griffiths. And Rachel Griffiths, yeah. yeah, which is also, she's also been in his occupation films yeah. or film, the last one I know she was in. But yeah, very excited to get him in the room and he's going to be delivering, you know, a 30 minute keynote speech. There's probably an opportunity there to ask him a question or two. And that will lead us into the short film festival side of things. And we'll follow that by, you know, a nice quick entertaining award ceremony for the winners. Yes. Hopefully, uh, again, we can get some of the filmmakers there to physically, personally receive these trophies. Yep. That worked out really well. If you are a filmmaker, it it might be almost too late by the time this goes to air, but I'm pretty sure still have about 10 days or so when this one goes to I think it's the end of... April End of is April. Uh, the film deadline. So we're really in that last 
part of submitting to the festival. We just got a submission yesterday. We did, didn't we? So, um, yeah, there's still a bit of time, but you're, still you're cutting it fine. So get it in there. Get the editing all done. F- polish that music and polish that turd. Get it That's in. Right, get it in. <laughs> Who are we talking about? I mean, last minute university assignments, you know, you've got all the way to that last minute, but, you know, things go wrong. So make sure you get it in on get time. Get it in. We'd rather have a look at it. And, and then we'll be sitting down and watching them all, which is exciting. Oh, that'll be a marathon. Yeah, well, it was last time. And I think we're looking at a, probably a pretty similar amount of entries again. Yeah, it's so, about 50. Yeah, which is which is awesome. It's a really good chain, yeah, a good. really good array of, of science fiction films. So I thoroughly enjoyed watching them last time. So look forward to doing it again. Tickets are now available. Tickets available. Grab a ticket. You check out filmfestival.spacebrains.com.au. Yep. Uh, they're on Humanitics. If you jump on a Humanitics and search for Space Brains Film yeah, Festival, you'll find up. our event. Yeah, you'll find it really easy. So, And all the links are on our socials and, as Surrey just said, on the website. So check it out. Come on down. Yes, there you go. So let's get into the plot. Mm-hmm. Let's see how this film hangs together, some of the interesting points that we might mm-hmm. want to make in terms of narrative, uh, you know, lighting and structure and, and the way that this film has been lovingly crafted. It has, and it has. It's got a lot yes. of love in it. There's some lighting in this here. There's sound editing. There's yeah. Sound is very interesting in this one. Uh, there's, Especially the rocks. Yes, the rocks and the 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 way it's cut together. There's a lot of fast cuts. There's some long, slow bits. It's good. Yeah. We'll get straight into it. So tell, give us a bit of a brief rundown of this film. So we've got uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sharnite. I believe the Daniels are behind this, wrote and directed this film. Again, it's one of those stories that they tried to pitch to a lot of people that said no. And uh, eventually they kind of, I think A24 is the production house behind this one. It got released in uh, twenty early 2022 and it's really had one of those massive success stories um, at the box office, quite a decent return, you know, on it. And I know it's had one of those, you know, it's it's hard because I think it was on Amazon maybe before it even had a, a cinema release. Um, so, like, it Certainly kind of... In Australia, it was definitely in Australia. Cinema in some places in Australia. Yeah. Not it didn't main, have nothing a mainstream. One. No, no. And then we had an Amazon release. Yeah. And now I think it's... I think, I think almost we, certainly it's going to get a mainstream release. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's just because of, yeah, the Oscars and the other accolades that have come kind of pouring in for it. So, yeah, it had a budget of around 14 to $20 million, uh, so pretty modest, and has has so far had a return of about $137 million, so quite a good success. You mentioned Jordan Peele. He's another one of these guys with Get Out, you know, very low budget. No one really wanted to, you know, produce it. Mm. Um, and, you know, that film just totally set him up, get out, won an Oscar, you know, and I think he made, him and his production company made something like, you know, $300 million or something. So it enables him to go and make Nope and nope. You know, other films that he's that he's. I, doing, I, so. I do. I recommend Nope. I think that's yeah. a... Uh, a good one to get into. So, you know, the Daniels will, I, I would imagine, come back with something pretty fast and pretty cool as well. I, I also saw a lot of them and the editor, a lot of these special effects, they sat down and did themselves. Mm. You know, they really sat there and they watched YouTubes on how to do some of these special yes. effects and, and apply them and spend the painstaking time and effort to get it there, you know. So, yeah, really quite interesting that the level of detail and care in this film, and I think it does show in that end product. We mentioned Michelle Yeoh. um, She plays Evelyn. Um, We have Stephanie 
uh, Ha plays Joy, the daughter. Ki Ho Kwan might remember him from Indiana Jones. Yeah, right. Uh, the <laughs> Temple of Doom. Yeah, as the, as the little um, kid. Goonies. Um, and Goonies as well. And he's just had one of these really romantic... You know, I mean, he's going to be a poster child for never give up on your dreams, really. Yeah, and he says it because he he did basically gave up on acting in his twenties. And what I, the little snippet I saw a couple of months ago was him saying that he he turned fifty and he was kind of like he said to his wife, "Oh, maybe I should just give it one more go. Like maybe I, you know, I haven't done it for a long time, but maybe I should give mm. it another go." And I he, he says he said something to his wife like, "I don't want to be sixty and have not tried." Yeah. You know, and so um, obviously he's tried and he's come out the other side, Oscar winner. So you kind of can't get much, you know, boy does good story, can no, you, that, from that's that? That's pretty good. Yeah. You'd recognise Michelle from, uh, she was in, she was a sword master in Boss Level. Boss Level that we did, uh, yeah. She's also then the captain, the evil captain from the evil universe <laughs> in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's also... What was the other one she's, she was also recently in? Oh, I can't remember now. I mean, she's got an amazing a, career. A like, she's had this huge career, hasn't she? But this film is just the one that's the trajectory. For, oh, yeah. She's in like a, a thousand with Jackie Chan <laughs> and then also starring on her own in Hong Kong prior to coming to Hollywood. Yeah. She, she is a, a Hong Kong immigrant to America herself anyway. Yeah, and Jenny Slate play as um, Debbie the dog mum, um, the laundromat customer, and Henry Shun Jr. as Chad um, the chef, which is quite cool, you know, the chef guy. And James Hong, who, you know, I see this guy and he's been in lots and lots of films, but I always think Wayne's World because he's uh, from Wayne's James World. James Hong, no, I've watched Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> yeah, Big Trouble in Little pisses that. me off to no end. <laughs> he's, he's really been in a truckload of Hollywood films, you know, as that Asian character. Yeah, he's always that Asian guy. Yeah, he's always the Asian guy. And I love, he's in Wayne's World and I love Wayne's World. So, yeah, go back to that. And, of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Is oh, yes. awesome in this as, you know, the the IRS, you know, the tax inspector. Um, she just does that so well. And I, just, I just remember her walking along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so good. And, and you know, we know Jamie yeah. Lee. We love Jamie Lee from all sorts of films. But um, she really has a bit of fun in this one, I found. so. Uh, and it reminded me, you know, a little bit of... Showing how funny she can be because she she can be quite funny. She's been in a lot of things. Oh well, I I do like her in True Lies. True Lies, yeah. Where it was like a great Arnold Schwarzenegger comedy. Yeah, it was a bit unexpected. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now it's a great. I I really enjoyed True Lies, and she's great in that because she sort of plays the you know stay at home wife. Yeah, the big slightly doesn't awkward, know, yeah. that isn't supposed to know anything and doesn't know anything, and then when she does find out, she's got a kind of lean in on that doesn't she mm. you know to kind of pull off some of the things so yeah it's a, it's a very interesting film that one with that cool scene as well where they blow up that florida bridge or whatever at the end you know it's oh, a, yes. yeah very epic scene out there yeah so we do like to break the narrative uh, we're going to go through some of the narrative parts as we touch on those bits those main beats that we've been talking about we do like to pick on them we're, we'll also mention which we've been talking about so far things like the editing and the lighting and the camera and all of those bits and bobs that make up a film this film in particular very very visual you know, there's lots going on. It's sort of an explosion of colour, this film, uh, in a really good way, I think. Because, that is, yeah, it 
symbolically shows the multiverse that we we apparently live in. Uh, anyway, we like to break the narrative down into some common elements. We've already mentioned a couple of these guys, Campbell, Schneider, McPhee, Field, are just a few of them, teachers that sort of really talk about in the modern era. Um, but, of course, yeah, you know, we can go right back and, you know, figure out the basis of story structure. But these are, this is kind of what we like to pick on. And it is essentially for a feature film. A novel is very similar that... It's this three-act structure. So we have a first act, a second act, and a third act. What happens in that first act? Sorry, quickly. First act always is the introduction. We get a bit of a an opening image which will establish... Uh, it can establish a lot of things, but mm. often it would be sort of a theme or it'll, it'll give you like a hint on how the world is. And in doing so, you get an idea of how it might be different. Yep. Uh, we get then an introduction of the characters... We set up the situation of their current life because the movie's going to show a transformation of some sort uh, or a journey. Uh, it may not necessarily be transformative, mm-hmm. but it will be a journey. And so we've got to see what it, where they're starting from, the beginning of the journey. We then have this thing called the catalyst or the inciting incident. I like to think of that as the time where, as the audience, you realize what the film's about. Yeah. So if you came into any of these films without any prior knowledge of what the film was going to be, Mm. then, you know, you sort of see some characters doing some things. They're going through every day, like there's Forrest Gump sitting on his bench talking. You kind of go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then you have the inciting incident and you go, oh, we're going to learn about, you know, this or how are they going to get out of this predicament or there's this, you know, how are they going to deal with this sudden new situation? Yeah, yeah. And we see a bit of a debate where we, we live with the character, the main character involved or the main characters sometimes, but the main character involved, we see them have that same thought of like, oh, my God, what am I going to do about this? this? This thing has happened. It's so different. It's changed. Do I go this way with it or do I go that way with it? Yeah. And they'll choose the way which leads us into the story. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the film. Uh, and that then becomes, that's the debate going into breaking into two. Mm. And we get into act two, which mm. is what? Well, then now you know they've they've got to make a de- they've made they've had that debate and they've got to make a decision which then is this journey that they're going to go on whether the journey is physical or not metaphysical doesn't matter they're going on a journey of self discovery so that literally could be a journey through the universe or it could be a you know journey through their brain and we essentially during this bit have the fun and games i always love that analogy of the fun and games being the trailer of the film so it's kind of like the way that we could go oh this is what the story is now about you know so we need to go over this person's life or they've they've you know the inciting incident was an alien invasion now in the fun and games it's well we've got to see what the aliens do in their invasion and what humans do back you Mm. know we also have kind of the idea of a b story being introduced so whether that is a love story with another character or whether that's another character going through a bit of a mini version of what they're going through um quite often it's the partner the daughter the son the parent uh, of the protagonist, yes. you know, uh, and really they have all those fun and games, the times in the film, and we hit then the midpoint, and the midpoint is basically we're right in the middle of the journey, so the character has come a long way and they've had a lot of fun, but then now the midpoint makes it, oh, there's it's serious. Mm. Um, and so sometimes that can be like, oh, there is no more fun, 
And, in fact, this is really deadly serious. If it's a film that's already been, you know, about serial killers or murdering or, you know, war, for example, uh, the midpoint actually takes it much deeper and darker, you know. And this film, you know, had a really great midpoint uh, where it did go further down the rabbit hole, basically. And that's the good expression to think here as well as Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole, you know, like so... She has already gone down the hole. She's seen an alternative universe. Hey, it's a little bit fun. There's tea, there's cake and blah, blah, blah. But then the midpoint is like, oh, no, this is now really serious. Like I'm getting further yeah. away from my I'm, home. I'm being threatened. Yeah. And um, so th- the stakes get worse for our main character. And there's some great expressions here like from Blake Schneider, like the bad guys close in and the all is lost moment. I think in the hero's journey it's, it's you know, that you go inside the cave. Yes. You know, and so... As humans, we don't like the dark, and that's what this part of the film is all about. It's the dark night of the soul. It's going into the cave when you know there's already a monster in there. So uh, facing up to those things. If it's an alien invasion, now we're having the one-on-one encounter like in War of the Worlds, uh, or if it's a film about someone having a mental breakdown, this is literally where they're you know, out of their mind. And yeah, maybe the psychologist has strapped them down to a bed and injecting them with drugs, which makes it worse. And and you know, someone's coming along, they're, they're debating whether they're going to lobotomize this that's person. That's right. You know, so things so are really, really It's about bad. as bad as you're yeah. going to get. You know, you're, you're at the point, yeah. they're zapping the brain. Now, now we're going to shove a, a needle in there and destroy yeah. the frontal lobe. Yeah, we're actually going to extract the brain, you know, like so... There's nothing worse than that and that's what it means. Or, you know, the character's on the side of the road with no money and it's raining and they've got no way to get out of the situation. I was waiting for the guy on the road. That's right. And um, they kind of, in that really deep, dark place, the protagonist has to figure out what are they going to do now. You know, it's a, it's a, a film and a story is a series of what ifs in a way and question marks. And so at that point in time, you're about to have a lobotomy. What does this character do to stop the lobotomy or do they accept the lobotomy and the lobotomy actually works out in their favour? So that's what this point is, the breaking into three. I was going to bring up the true lies we were talking about before. One of my favourite scenes is where it's sort of one of these dark points where Arnie and his wife, they're tied up, they're strapped up by the bad guys and about to be tortured and they give him truth serum. Yeah. And so in his truthful state, he says, well, first I'm going to take that there and I'm going to cut myself yeah. free. Then I'm going to stab that into your brain and then I'm going to shoot that guy with his own gun. And <laughs> and then, of course, that's exactly what he does. Yeah. When, when the, because he's telling the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. But anyway, yes, that's, that's a comedy where you're expecting these things. Uh, dark, part of the soul. Often there is a death, symbolic or real, yeah. This is always, I always look out for this because particularly if it's a long film and you're like, you get to the point where you're going, it's going for like over two hours now. When are we getting it? And then you where? see, when you, then you see like, you know, the, the dog die or the, um, the, the, the girlfriend breaks up and wants a divorce or whatever. Then you go, ah, it's the death. That's it. That's yeah. the death. We're now about to get to the good part. Yeah. And so they do in that bottom bit, sorry, they have to make a decision. And that decision, decision, sorry, is quite often the plan to, you know, get their life back, get out of the lobotomy, save them, their life and their wife's life, whatever, from terrorists, oh, yes. defeat the alien race, whatever, right? 
So what happens now? Well, we go into Act 3, which is called the finale. Mm. That's where they have like some sort of a course of action where they've gone, yeah, I'm going to take action. They gather their resources. Mm-hmm. And this, I love the Matrix scene. This is guns, yeah. lots of guns. You yeah. know, this is literal gathering of resources. You know, and, they, and they do that. They, they strap themselves down. I, I don't know why they need more than one gun. Mm. Apparently you need more than one gun. I yeah. don't know. Someone with more gun knowledge could let me know why you want more than one you gun. You need more guns, man. Anymore, you can't have enough guns. Um, <laughs> you could go, Until... go Planet Terror, which <laughs> yeah, is, right, where yeah. she actually has a limb, limb as a gun. A gun. Yeah, that's right. Why not? Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so then they go off and they enact this plan. They try to they they face their challenge, their big bad guy, their mm. their um you know act three, the finale, mm. and it it seems to be going okay. But it would be too easy because what we're doing here is we've got to test the hero. We've got to test the journey that the, something has been learnt or something mm. has happened, and so there's a, a reversal. They'll be fighting and they're seeming to win, and then there'll be something turns around and says, "No, you're actually going to lose." Yeah. If something doesn't change, you're going to lose. You're done. And that's where we've got to have the final revelation, the epiphany, the, oh, yes, you're right. I can't just keep doing what I've always done. Yeah. I have to change this other thing. And it'll usually be a callback to some some wisdom delivered, like the statement yep. of the theme in Act 1. Uh, it's a bit of a Chekhov's gun, if you like, yep. where someone will sort of say, you've got to learn to trust yourself and your own intuition. Mm. And, of course, at that and moment... And this is, no, I'm an accountant. I work yeah. off data and numbers only. But at the last moment, they'll get that little flash of, yes, I, I, I should do this thing. All the statistics say I should do this one thing, but I need to just trust in my love of my son and go this way. Yes. And that will win that and that wins the day of course. Yeah. You might actually have a little bit more difficulty, but yeah. it'll win the day because they have learned that extra thing that they've, they've they've overcome that barrier and yeah. and as the audience because we're we're on this journey with them, we should a really well-made film should not be obvious the thing they like Yeah. Often it is a bit obvious like yeah, they're going to have to do X, Y, Z. Mm. But if they, it's not that obvious, and they go, oh, oh, yes, of course. Mm. And it suddenly clicks in a place like the, the good M. Night yeah. Shyamalan films yeah. that he got famous for. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, that, where you got to the end and, and something happened, you go, oh, of course. Yeah. And it suddenly makes sense. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, you have the, the final image mm. where the, the, the day is won, the victory has been had, and now this final image plays off against the opening image and it will give that sense of closure that okay you saw the opening image is how everything is at the start the beginning yeah. of the journey and the closing image then goes how does the end compare to the start yeah after they've gone on that journey what is what does it look like is, what is have it, they gained and it generally doesn't look exactly the same no it shouldn't really it looks slightly different there's yeah. something different there yeah. May, even sometimes it's just the character at the start who is a little bit serious has a bit of a yeah. Wink and a smile, and yeah. has, he has, has a joke. Has it. appreciated something, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that—that's what gives you the closure. It makes you feel when yeah. you finish watching the film, you go, ah, oh, yeah. A, that's a nice. really obvious example there is you might have the opening is someone alone, and then at the end they're together with someone. You know? Yes. So like that's a really obvious, you know, bookend opposite, you know, in, in scenario. Or if someone is, as you just said, extremely serious at the start of the film. Could be a comedy, and then at the end, they're the one being a bit of a prankster because that was the lesson they had to learn: is to yeah. lighten their load. Actually, and all I, that. I really liked it. And I'll, I said it at the time, but there's that movie Radius we did a few episodes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts 
a guy lying on his side with his eyes closed mm. and they open. Yep. And he's in the dark. Yep. And it ends, the same guy lying on his side, but it's in the light and his mm. eyes are open. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and it's just that sort yeah, of... cool. Yeah, he starts off with his eyes closed, but he ends with his eyes open. Yeah. And oddly enough, he actually... Yeah, it's not really a spoiler. You've, you've probably seen this. You, you're all massive fans of us and have watched every film and along yeah. with us. He do, he's alive at the start and he's dead at the end, mm. which is – but he's dead with his eyes. Anyway, yeah, I really cool. liked it. it. It made me feel complete. Yeah. So with everything everywhere all at once, yes. <laughs> it's such a mouthful to say, how, how, how did this film open and what, how did, did that grab your attention? It opened with a mirror mm. and I love this because – and if you've been playing along with us for 99 episodes. That's right. Actually, some of our earlier episodes are a little bit rough, so maybe you probably want to skip a couple of those. But no, go no, back, go back, <laughs> listen to Passengers That's and it. the Lobster, and see what the difference is. Uh, they're yeah. good films. <laughs> oh, they're fantastic films. Uh, but this one starts with a mirror. Yeah. And immediately we know, because as I said, you've been playing along. A mirror represents alternatives yeah. or a different opinion or, or a change. It is. So we have a mirror, and it's reflecting. Reflection. It's reflecting um, three people, like a family, presumably, you know, daughter. Yeah mother, father, singing karaoke and it's dark but there's lights that are flashing. It's a party atmosphere. Yeah. And then there's like a door. It's almost like a door closes. And the mirror loses that reflection and the party lights. And then we see a table covered in receipts Mm. and the lighting is a bit drab. Yep. And without even, if you didn't know what the film was about, just going off the clue that there's a mirror reflecting, you're sort of seeing it's going to be about alternatives. Yes. It's going to be about the, the... juxtaposition of a fun time enjoying the present with your family mm. compared to life's responsibilities. Yeah, and, and I mean, we see in this setup scenario, it's a really great example of a setup, isn't it? Because we have this very small, cramped apartment or, you know, like house, whatever, um, which is actually also a business. Yes. Uh, which we learn in this setup, it's the back of a laundromat dry cleaning business, but I love this room that she's sitting in. So she's covered in receipts and she's trying to organize it or something, isn't she? You know, so you you can see that, uh, you know, this character drowning really in tax receipts. No, she's not happy. You also, you know, she's, and, and the whole thing, it's a, you know, is it a hoarder's, you know, wet dream because there's just stuff everywhere or is it that they're just living in such a cramped little world, you know? She also displays the trait really quickly with her husband and then we see it with her daughter when her daughter enters that, you know, she's not really in the present with them. No, she's, she's off thinking about these other it's things. It's always that future. It's, it's always that, oh, what's my father going to think? Yeah, what's, what's my father? this yeah. New Year's Eve thing going to yeah. go? What's this tax going to happen? Yeah, we're good. and we have to do all these things because things, you know, nothing's right, basically. And she's quite panicky and she's anxious and she's stressed. When the husband also enters, you know, to add to the, you know, we talk about problems in setups and stuff. Mm. Um, he comes in, we... We know straight away from the paperwork he he wants to talk to her and he kind of then hides it from her is that the paperwork is divorce papers. Divorce papers, And yes. so, you know, that's a great, you know, like, again, you talk about writing and really getting to despair very quickly. Well, he's a husband and wife and they're not young, you know, they're in their 50s and he's going to serve her divorce papers. Well, it's you know? great because this is all on the first 
Oh, what, minutes? Well, yeah. Well, what I've just probably said is that first five minutes. I yeah, think, the, by the first, time first few there. minutes there, yeah. we've we've gotten all of this stuff, information. Yeah, all all, all this info about the setup, the whole yeah. world. Yeah. The the husband also he's comes in. He's clearly a, a bit happy go lucky. He's yeah. a bit. He's he's more positive ch- and char. You know, po- yeah, positive chipper. Chipper. <laughs> You know, he's, he's sort of yeah. making the laughs. And the, the I, I think I think at some point she opens a cupboard and there's like googly eyes on the yeah, cereal. Right, like he, yeah. he just puts googly eyes about the place because, <laughs> yeah, that's just his little way of spreading joy. Yeah, just be, trying to be a bit more happy, and which again irritates her. It irritates her. She's like, it's, it's serious. Yeah. And you go, well, I don't know, it's not that serious. Mm. But she's yeah. she's obviously finds everything very serious. Yes. Yeah, so within that, that setup I think was really great. And we have the daughter come in as well with her partner, um, female partner, and they have also something to share with her, some news, and the daughter's got to try to muscle up the courage to say it to her mum. And, again, that's really great writing because it's subtext. You know, the straight away, if you have a daughter or a son that is too afraid to tell the parents something, as an audience, we're like, oh, they don't have a great relationship. Yeah, it's a strained relationship. Yeah, she's also probably always kind of given her impression that oh no, you're you're not good enough, and mm. and this is all stuff that you is not really told to us, but as an audience, you're filling in the blanks. Aren't oh you? well, you can just you see it from the the state of the house, like this stuff, it's disorganized. Yeah, like and you can tell it's you know uh, Evelyn thinks that it's her duty to organise everything and she's not getting the, you know, she doesn't see the support that she wants and that's because uh, other people can't be trusted to do it and it you, it all comes tumbling out. It's it's a beautifully filled up yeah. world. Like it, up, it's, yeah. There's no... There's no space. There's no space. There's no, there's no sparsity of information here. No. Every part of it is is planned and thought out and tells us so much. Like the it picture does. is worth a thousand words. It is. He's 10,000. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, is it the husband or the daughter? They're interrupted by a customer. And, again, this sort of shows us, you know, Evelyn's way that she deals with customers and there's the the customers kind of, uh, you know, looking for something and then it turns out the dry cleaning's out the back of the house and that's where we see the googly eyes. Again, She he's putting the googly mm. eyes on customer thing and she rips them off and tells him off. Again, feeding this relationship is not in a good space uh, it's very tense. The daughter at the same time has kind of wanted to say something, but the mum gives her a lecture, you know, straight away off the top, as she's doing three or four other things yes. at once. You know, she's multitasking. She's running a business. She's running a house. Her, her father is coming. Her and father's arriving any moment or whatever it is. he's not going to be pleased. No, and he, when he does arrive, he isn't pleased. <laughs> <laughs> and we just get this weird little moment, which to me is the inciting incident, sorry, which is... We see the husband exit and he goes on the video camera, I think, to collect the customer's uh, uh, dry cleaning. And he does weird things. Like he flips, he jumps, he, he's really rapid. Mm. It's very unusual for a man in his 50s. Yes. Even though maybe here there is a bit of a racist thing going on, like he's Asian, is he just doing kung fu or crazy? Yeah, it's just standard kung fu. It's a you standard get. thing. But it was, and it was, it's done. Technically, off screen, you know, it's done through the video camera footage. Yes. You know? um, the wife doesn't, Evelyn doesn't see it. No one else seems to react to what it. What I got out of this also, having watched a lot of zombie films and more mm. recently The Last of Us, yeah. often uh, it's through security footage that you see the first 
Glimps. sort of uh, zombie movements where yeah, yeah. there'll be a patient, like you see the, yeah. the security footage of the clinic foyer, there's yeah. a patient in a wheelchair yeah, and then they'll start twitching and they'll stand up and they'll move around and, and walk off. But then yeah. by the time a doctor or a nurse comes back in, the clinic's empty. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's not, but you saw the evidence uh, on the security camera. There was a witness. Yeah. Yes. And so this is, I, I think maybe it's playing off a bit of that sort of, there's, you know, you're saying, seeing something in police dramas mm. where the, the criminal is there and you're just seeing it through the security camera. That's it, and they and, escape. Or... And they, you know, hide a paperclip or something, yeah. you know, like for later use. Um, yeah, so it's a little sort of hiding It's something the audience sees, but the main character doesn't, yeah. and we know it's going to come out. Was it, I, I don't know if this is necessarily in, I think it's the start of the inciting. It's that foreshadowing. It's going to, yeah. Because I, th- I think the, the true, like, for, the true bit is in the elevator, in the elevator where yeah. that kung fu stuff is kind of revealed to us. Yeah. It's like the, the real revealed answer. The character, yeah. And then suddenly you go, oh, okay, so yeah. this is this is what the film's going to be. Now yeah. I understand, yeah, that, that uh, sort of security footage mm. going on, we're going to get this main character, the Evelyn, is going to be dragged into this... Yeah, so they go strange off strange fight. Yeah, and I, I agree the the elevator because it's, it is also if you think about storytelling in the elevator, it's now the protagonist's life has changed, whereas the security camera footage is not. Her life doesn't change because she doesn't see it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that's the that's the that's uh, just the little teaser. Teaser is saying, "Hey, audience, just." Just pay attention. Pay attention. There's something coming. This is not all bleak. <laughs> and anyway, they are. They so let's get to that. They go to the IRS, mm. and um, the father's in the wheelchair. They've got their mountain of receipts. Yes. Um, and they're in the elevator, and as they're going up, and the whole time she's been kind of nagging and bagging, and the, ah. the the dad is too. The dad's quite negative. Husband's quite chirpy. There's a little scene where I think the husband notices, does he see another couple and the couple are quite couple Oh, the older couple, yes. Yeah, yeah they're quite lovely. I yes. think does the woman help the man or something like that and he kind of looks lovingly at that, you know, yeah. and sort of noticing the, that his wife doesn't do anything for him. And kind of, you can see it. She's, Again, she's lost great. her love and feeling. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's a great little subtext there. Um, but in this elevator, he, what does he do? He Blinks. Well, yeah, he suddenly goes, you know, changes his posture. Yeah. And then he quickly turns and, um, you know, distracts the gong gong or whatever it is. Yeah. And then talks to Evelyn very seriously. He's like, you know, this is, you've got, um, you've, you've got to pay attention to me. This is very important. Something's going to happen. Meet me in the uh, janitor's closet or whatever, you know, and <laughs> write something down, you know, yeah. and hands it to her. Mm. Uh, and, th- Takes Evelyn totally by surprise. It's yeah. like that's just not what her husband, husband was doing. Does. Like, yeah, yeah. what's his name? Wayman. Wayman. Yes, yes, Wayman. It's not what he does. Though. He doesn't act like that. He's always sort of a bit goofy, and then he returns to being a bit goofy again. And what? Well, what's going on? And of course, they go and talk to Deirdre, and we have that debate where she's thinking about Janda's closet, mm. or and you know, and, and Deirdre's going on and explains that the clearly butt plug shaped. <laughs> Trophy is one that she won for being a yeah. you know very anal retentive accountant. And and just pause here for a second to say you know Jamie Lee Curtis is playing this IRS government official to the T, isn't she? You know it is a uh, and over the years 
you know, my younger years at uni, I had to deal with Centrelink here in Australia and you deal with that government bureaucracy person. She's got the arm brace. Yes. She's got the award-winning, you know, (laughs) butt plugs. She's very clear that they've not delivered on what is required from them as business owners to pay their tax. Yes. She spells out the penalties to them. She's not going to give in. She she is no. someone that is a strickler for the rules. Yeah. And, and, and this it just gives that impression. You also get the impression that she herself has kind of been beaten by the rules. That's like right. She's yeah. given in. She, yeah. she's does, if she ever had a spark of inspiration and, and fun, it's kind of been driven out of her as well now. That oh, is, she's great as this character of Deidre. I, I found it like it was, I, I sort of found it hard to watch as in like pay attention to not only what she was doing in a way in the moments that and, she was on screen. And I think if we're going to talk about camera work and so something here is very close in, uh, yeah. like the framing is the whole family, but it's like Evelyn in the middle yeah. and then her family other, in the background kind three, of yeah. hanging around. Yeah. And then we got the framing of just Deidre and her cubicle. Yes. And paperwork yeah and like you you can hear the rest of the office going around yeah there's a lot going on but there's nothing else in this world except this Mm. cubicle and evelyn and her mountain of paperwork and yeah just that explanation that deirdre's going through of it's this is just what has to happen yeah and this of course is great because it leads into that it gives you that sense of inner monologue. Mm. You can see it. She's she's going, oh, you know, this janitor's closet. We're like, what was Wayman going on about? What, yeah. you know. She I have can to, drown her out a bit. I have to go and, and there's like a little message on the paper. Yeah. And she ends up excusing herself and going into the janitor's closet, mm. which where, is where, yeah. Where, yeah, where, where the universe shifts. Yeah. She changes and she comes out and there's like, you know, Wayman is different. Mm. And they have their first sort of encounter with Jobu, yeah. which is Her daughter. daughter Joy. Yeah. Yes, she's the big bad guy. She is the and big there's... bad guy. She wears fabulous costumes, and in that world, they're all assassins, aren't they? Or something like every yeah. single person is an yeah. assassin. Yeah, they're all they're all the bad guys. Yeah, they're all bad guys, and they all attack, and it's really quite violent. And Jobu is, yeah, some sort of super villain basically. the great evil yeah, evelyn great has to evil. save the universe the yeah. multiverse <laughs> yeah and it's it's quite it's a lot to heap on someone it is it and, is totally and and this is this is the the debate she sort of decides there she goes okay well yeah screw it i i could just go back to this audit yep or i could see where this travels mm. where where's this going like because this new wayman's kind of far more exciting way more you know exciting, decisive yeah. and you know Powerful. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think they have a bit of a fight. They do. There's a bit of a fight scene here where he pulls his bum bag off and he <laughs> swings it around using it as, a, as nunchucks. And yeah. It's, it's very amusing. Um, it is. And that really is like the fun and games, really. Yeah, that's, that's, like, the, yeah. That's, that's a that's a jump into fun and games. Let's let's see what happens here. Mm. And we're going to get, um, you know, various fights. And the I'm trying to remember all the details because yeah, there's, there's so many there's things. There's so many things going on. There's funny, uh, one of the things, of course, that is revealed during this this sequence here, because Deirdre becomes possessed by the yes, in, no, well, in that rev, in that multi in that universe, she is a bad guy. They're all bad yes. guys in that first and, world, and so she's they? like fighting them, and she suddenly becomes like big, strong, like a wrestler yeah. or something, pro wrestler. Yeah. And it's revealed then to Evelyn that there is this multiverse, mm. and that you're able to tap into the learnings and powers or the abilities of your other selves yeah. on these different things. But you've got to, you have to 
cause a split in the travel of your current thing. And in order yeah. to cause a split, and, and I love this because right, it is literally what we're told is that if you want to change your life, you have to change. Yes. Like, you know, you've got to do something that makes you a bit uncomfortable. If, if you're always, you know, not going up on stage to talk mm. and you want to change, you, know, you go up on stage and do a presentation in front of people. Like it'll be scary and worrisome yep. and, and all the rest of it, but it will change you. Yes. And so, but this is kind of more the case of you've got to do something a little, really out of character. Yep. And I think uh, he eats some erasers or something. Yeah. Uh, or, um, and then like, uh, what was he drags his fingers on a chalkboard? Yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. Like he's, he had to like pick a hair, like from, pluck a hair out of your body or something. Yeah, off his and, nose or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, the, and the more outraged it is, the, the further from your current universe you are able to yeah. dip. Yes. Uh, and so, um, oh, geez, I can't remember all of the ridiculous things you have to do. Yeah. But, yeah, so she she goes and, and does one of those things, like pokes herself in the eye and yeah. gains, finds out that one of her universes, she was actually uh, an excellent martial artist yeah. and became a Holy, you know, a Hong Kong film star mm. as and a martial artist. This moment to me is the same as the Matrix, as in then plugging into the software. Yeah. You know? So Neo realising that, you know, it's like, they do the jumps. I know and Kung like, Fu. I, I, let's do Kung Fu, you know, like let's do the program. And he's like, no, Kung Fu, you know, like, and then suddenly he's a master yes. Kung Fu artist, you know, and that's the same here because what what the trick here as well is that it's fun in games that she's fighting these killers uh, and now she can do Kung Fu. So, yes. you know, the ordinary Evelyn has this superpower but it's not like the funny part as an audience. It's sort of like it's almost as the same in the Matrix. It's like so like they're just kind of playing with it, aren't they? You yes. know, it's like what would happen if you suddenly knew Kung Fu, you know, and you're in this universe where everyone's fighting you. Um, it's kind of like a computer game in a way. Yeah, and, and indeed fun and games. And she goes and has these fights and yep. bashes and bish bash boshes. There's a cut that Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of in one of them. I think there's a fight with her and then there's yeah. not a fight and there's the... The um, guards, and we sort of see. I think does something happen to Waymond here? This Alpha Waymond, where he kind of gets knocked down. Then he again, a little bit like the Matrix. We follow him back to his real world, and he's in a van oh, with yes. two other guys uh, or two other scientists, kind of thing. And to me, again, that felt very Matrixy, as in he's like, "Oh, plug me back in, quick!" And yes. you know, they and in that they're revealing. You know, the universe on that tablet thing where you can see, oh, she's straying further than anyone else has ever strayed. Yes. And I loved that. And again, it's a little bit like The Matrix because it's like, oh, hang on. This, Nobody's ever. No one's ever gone that far that yeah, fast. No one's yeah. ever fought a, an agent for this long, you know, been able to go that fast. <laughs> That's right, you know. So, um, and because she jumps over. <laughs> It's, it was already a bit of a joke. She jumps over and it's uh, Ratatouille, uh, but not Ratatouille, is it? What they call it in this? Raccoon-y. Like, <laughs> yeah, ra- yeah, that's right. It's just, oh, yeah. It had been oh. a joke in it that he had said Ratatouille as a movie and she's like, no, it's Ratatouille. Yes. And in this alternate universe that she goes to, she's a chef. And one of those kind of Japanese-styled, I believe, chefs, yes. you know, that performs and cooks the food on a big grill in front of you. And <laughs> there's this other chef, which I think is played by um, James Hung. And, oh, no, no, not James Hung. So Harry Harry Shum Jr. is the Teppanaki. That's what it's called, yeah. chef. And in this alternative, Evelyn is a chef. So the thing is she's 
really skilled at knives. Yes. But I love that idea that suddenly there's this other scene where we're seeing this other chef and he's the raccoon is in his hat, like Ratatouille. <laughs> like, it's so random, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of these little things in this film where, yeah. where you, you come across. Uh, yeah. And then at the end, the it's a pay, there is a payoff for it, but it's funny. And then she jumps back and, of course, now she knows how to use knives. And, and she can, so. like, yeah, catch and flick things yeah, with, with a yeah. knife. And then we have this great, I mean, it, I, I don't know because I was pretty entertained in this part of the film, but... Yeah, I mean, it's quite a big action sequence here, isn't it? That goes on for a bit. And, of course, we also have, and maybe this is where your wife started tuning in and out, but we also have that she's fighting those two and, they, and again, we get that kind of nod back to Jamie Lee Curtis's little butt plugs yes. that, again, to jump the universe and become more upskilled to fight each other, they <laughs> go to jump on these butt plugs. <laughs> and it is, it's just such a moment in the film where it's like, you know, Evelyn, you have to jump, you have to learn some, uh, you know, new skill. You're kind of all fighting each other and no one's winning. And they all look at this butt plug, you know, <laughs> and it's like, they just well, know straight away. And it's, a, it's a classic Hong Kong sequence where it's like someone needs to get a hold of something. Yeah. And we've, how many times have we seen Jackie Chan do yeah, this yeah. where... Uh, yeah, get they the need. They, they go to get the thing, and then okay, Jackie Chan goes, "Oh," throws the the tennis ball, tennis ball, <laughs> and knocks it aside. And yeah. then there's a bit more fighting, and then there's no yeah. one's ever able to get a hold of this That's, thing. There's always <laughs> someone flicks it, cuts but, yeah, it, you know, kicks it. kicks it, and moves it about. A place. dog picks it up and runs it out. Yeah. You know, like yeah, and that's what's going on with this butt plug, <laughs> which is quite funny. And so at at this point here, let me see. Uh, we're getting to the midpoint. Yeah, at the midpoint. Um, I'm lost my notes. That's all right. Um, well, because she gets, she does defeat them, doesn't she? And she, she kind of the oh, that's right. It's the daughter. The daughter in defeating uh, them in that level. The daughter then, that's the midpoint, isn't yes. it? The, the daughter then is there and the big villain. Yes, and, and um, she she just like changes reality on a can, whim. Yeah, so she's like again like the agents in the Matrix that this isn't you can't just fight this person. Yeah, no many butt plugs yeah. <laughs> you use and uh, whatever you do, she's not like the others. She's she can stop reality and change, and she does. You see her change people, don't you, in front of you? Yes, um, in an instant, from step to step, she's yeah. just. Changes, yeah, and again, not huge kudos to the visual look here. If you want to see some visual mastery going on, have a look at these scenes because that is automatically changing costumes that are just incredible. And the makeup, you know, she goes from things like the Mad Hatter to you know the latest fashion to you know a soldier like, to, to a just, punk to a yeah. yeah, like it's incredible. Like the whole outfit changes, you know, and she explains that. You know, like this is just nothing to her. This is a, you know, she's been to the whole universe and back in yeah. her life and it's actually boring now. So It's all a know, bit meaningless. It's, it's meaningless, yeah. She has this bagel. They, <laughs> they call it the everything bagel. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is, I, I find it funny because I guess, yeah, it's sort of the layperson. They could have had a, a fancy sci-fi term for, a, you know, the toroidal singularity or something like yeah, that. But it's the bagel. But it's, it's the everything bagel. Yeah. And I mean, just, even... They're putting everything into it. Yeah. And it just kept growing. And yeah. now she wants to go into it. You know, she's going to take the whole world. Yeah. Because it's all pointless. Mm, everything. And, and this is, of course, where the concern comes in regarding Evelyn. Yeah. It's like, okay, we thought Evelyn could 
defeat her. But, you know, there's this problem that what if she becomes like her as well? Yeah. We'll actually just have it more powerful. Because Evelyn was revealed was so powerful because she is so bad at... She's failed. This Evelyn has failed everything. She's tried singing and kung fu and cooking and everything. She's tried everything apparently (laughs) and not succeeded. But that means that there is a splinter universe where she did succeed. Yeah. And so... She has splintered off so many different universes and thus she has access to so many different skills. Yeah, and I think the, it's a good sort of we're heading into this, you know, the darker night and the soul and the, you know, the bad guys closing in because her daughter is saying there's no point, Evelyn, going down the path of trying all these different alternate universes. I've done that and it doesn't, it leads to meaninglessness. Yes. And so I'm going to destroy the whole universe. Just come with me. We'll just destroy it together. And we'll see where that takes us. Yeah, it's Otherwise, a, you're wasting your time. Like it's the last thing to try. Yeah, yeah. Like you, there's no point. And by doing that, she sort of splinters her off. And we see some of... This is where we see some of those failures that she chose in her life. Yeah. And so, you know, the, we get, we kind of go back and the, the story we're shown is that she chose Waymond and they went to America to, yeah. to against, set up a life. Against, against the father's, father's wish. wish yeah. And so... That's the reality here where she's turned out to be, have a, a, what in her mind is like a dud life, you know. And then, so then we go back to that point and she doesn't go with Maimon and she becomes a superstar celebrity, doesn't she? Like an actor. And she's like on the red carpet and well known. And And Waymond's just a fanboy. And then Waymond, but Waymond is a fan, but he's actually a successful. Yes. So it's actually saying if they weren't together, they both became successful. Yes. <laughs> Which is quite interesting, actually, isn't it? So it's like they sort of chose love, but they got they didn't have success. Whereas alone, they would be successful. But lonely. But lonely. Yeah, that's sort of the the point there. And then we also have uh, she. We also have this reality of sausage fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, it's like. It's like the and and she's in love. Like the, her lover is Deidre, and this right? is where they in the the alpha verse. Yeah, Wayman goes. Well, she's no one's she's ever gone so far so back. Far, right, she yeah. actually, you know, crossed evolutionary boundaries. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That yeah. In reality, there is a reality with sausage fingers. Like at yes. some point in time, sausage fingers come. Well, they showed that point where the the sausage finger ape man <laughs> yeah. used the sloppy sausage fingers yeah. to beat the. <laughs> Normal fingered ape man to death, which is another science fiction film. Yes, two thousand and one. That's a little homage to that yeah. ape scene, right? It's the same thing, you know. Um, and they have this weird, you know, they, and it's so it's. I liked that because she's in a relationship with Deidre, you <laughs> yes. know, and a loving relationship that has <laughs> some problems. And ketchup, yeah, yeah, and they like rub, Mustard. you know, they, they start. Having, I suppose, kind of in a way, started having sex with fingers and sauce. Tomato sauce and mustard, yeah. Squirting, you know, it's very, it's very visceral. Uh, and I've got to say, those costumes were awesome, weren't they? Those yeah. gloves or whatever they had. Um, I'd love to know more about how they did that. But, you know, and then they've, they've got problems in their relationship, you know, with the sausage fingers. And <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, it's, so we're seeing these old alternates. Uh, and she denies the, she doesn't want to go to the bagel. So she comes back to her reality. Yes. Is what happens. So she comes back to Evelyn, like the Evelyn that's failed. She goes back to what was the safe. And to me, what was this like the safe internally? She's like, well, I'm not the one 
no. that's going to save the day here. I don't want to go in the bagel. I just want to go back to being Evelyn, right? Like, so to me, uh, again, it was that kind of, this is the dark night of the soul. Like she's kind of given up on, she went on a little journey, had a little fun. It got really serious. And so then she's backtracked. Back yeah, to she's, her old she's thing. pulled back. I also like that this really reinforces that there's this stakes of the IRS. Yeah. Like for closing on the business and closing the only thing going for her. That's right, which is the in business. this universe yeah. Yeah. where she's been told she's the worst of herself. <laughs> like, and the only thing she's got going for her is the fact that she does have a business. Yeah. That is, you know. It's enjoyed. She's got in, getting a lot of people coming along to this New Year's Eve party. Yeah. But that's going to be taken from her. And yeah. I, I think she's also learned about the divorce at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a real culmination that – and it, it's her giving up, which is also in this universe, she's always given up on things. That's yeah. what we've been told, right? Like the father said, oh, you gave up on ballet and you gave up on – uh, you know, you, you you gave in to Wayman and you just gave up on everything, right? And so she gives up on this journey and then she's back in reality and it's like Deidre is like, close this business down. Yeah. There's not really many people have come to the party. Yeah. You know, not the, all the customers. She's learnt about the divorce. Her daughter kind is, of is basically is saying... gay. Yeah, is gay. Which doesn't... I don't that's think not it, the problem. The problem, the problem is that she doesn't not, she's not accepting her. Yeah. She wants her to be someone else. Yeah, she wants. You know, yeah, just like she, her father wanted her to be someone yeah, else. Yeah. yeah, so she's kind of her world is just really terrible. You know, so to me, it's the dark. You know, this is like everything that she's worked for is collapsing. Well, this also then is leading to that promise of oh no, she's going to follow the same path as her daughter and yeah. actually make her stronger. And rather than defeating her daughter, that they're going to go into the bagel. Yeah, and we do get um, a lovely bit here where. Uh, we go through all these universes and we get the, the rock universe, yeah. which is one of my favourites because it's just two stones. Well, cause and, so, well they went even went through some cartoon Yeah, well, versions. I was going to say, so she, she gets, she kind of melts down, doesn't she? Yes. In This Evelyn, like she implodes on everyone and has that moment of like, ah, <laughs> craziness. And that's where she becomes rocks. And yeah, and she finally becomes rocks and because she's looking for a place where she can connect with her daughter, mm-hmm. like to, to find out really what's going on. And there's just a couple of rocks there and it's just silence for a bit. And then there's like, yes. Text. Yeah, even we are rocks. And then the one rock starts shuffling over to the other one and her daughter says, you can't do that. You're yeah. a rock. You, like rocks yeah. can't move. No, I can if I want to. <laughs> she shuffles over. Like she's not giving up at this point here. Yeah. So she's starting to turn the tables. Mm. And I mean, I've got to say like camera wise that uh, it's a montage. It's barely a montage, more like a collage almost. It's just an, inf- well, it's not an infinity, but there is just, I don't know. You'd probably have to pause, go slow-mo and count it, but maybe there's like a hundred shots of Evelyn it, in different realities. It would have taken some. Uh, and some like, of them were quite ordinary. You yeah. sort of see the ones like, you know, where she's the ballerina, yeah. where she's the actress, the chef. But then you also get like one where she's a cartoon. Yeah, she's cartoon. Like somehow, I don't know how that happened no. in reality, but yeah, I did. guess there was a reality where she's a yeah. cartoon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you have all of that and, and the reoccurring ones, so the sausage fingers, the celebrity, the um, the chef, you know, the Evelyn, the super world, you know, like so there's there's kind of like the repetition of, of those ones. And in this, that's where she is going, 
oh, I need to change. I need to be someone different, isn't it? You know? Yeah, and, and she does. She decides she will. She she has that moment of clarity yeah. with her daughter. Yeah. And she's like, no, I I don't want my daughter to end the universe. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. And, and what does she do? She goes, um, yeah, she ends up begging Deirdre. She goes back to the taxes universe yeah. and ends up begging Deirdre and like has a really impassioned me, yeah. discussion about how this is all she's got and how she's going to give it a shot. She's not going to give up on and, it. And she says that Wayman is leaving her. Yeah. And that's when Deirdre's like, oh, my husband left me. Yeah. And so it's kind of like they have a human moment. And that's where she's got one last chance tomorrow. Yeah. And midday, you've got to be there and it's got to work. Yes. Yeah. And, and we do. We get a we get a break into three here where um, Wayman, uh, this is the real Wayman, like yeah. uh, the original taxes yeah. Wayman. They have that conversation where he, he confesses, look, like you, you think that I'm weak, but actually I fight differently. Like yeah. I don't give up on things and I'm not giving up here. You know, I... I do it through kindness. Yeah. And this, this is what sort of sparks something in Evelyn where she goes, yeah. yeah. And, and like we, we do, we get some imagery of, you know, Wayman being kind, oh, like, yeah. like he's putting his googly eyes on things yeah. and, and she's sort of going, oh, and he was, actually. I think a good father, like yeah, he's, he's had moments with joy. Good father. Yeah. And they, they go on uh, to, where are they going to like, like a shopping mall? Yeah. I, I can't remember why they go to a shopping mall, but it, you know, it's it's an important. That's where the bagel is. Yeah, uh, of course, you get the bagel at the shopping mall. Everyone knows that. But there's there's going to be this the big fight. You know, they're lined up all the way up the staircase to the the bagel, mm. and Evelyn's got to get up there. And it's you know there's there's normal fighting, but then she's like, no, I'm going to do this differently. I have to change. Yeah, and this is this is the whole thing. And so she pulls out the googly eyes. Yeah, pop pops one on her forehead, mm. and then she goes and she's helps people out, like uses her ability to swap universes to help the people. Each person she comes across who's the bad, you know, the, yeah, the villain the version, yeah. they're, they're essentially a villain version because of something that has happened to them. Yeah. And she uses her power to go through all these, you know, universes and she, she finds, you know, compliments them on their, <laughs> their, their dress choice and, yeah. you know, does the hair and, you know. Yeah makes them laugh and, you know, she starts doing this kindness fight yeah. all the way up yeah. to finally the final, final confrontation where Evelyn and uh, Joy are yeah. uh, just like, yeah, let's have the final, final. Mm. And there is that, you know, firing of the bullet scene, which is the same as Neo and Agent Smith. Yes. Or the agents, you know, they all fire on Neo and he stops the bullets. It's the same in that kindness fight scene. Like yeah, did she one turn them, them into fires. googly eyes and sends yeah, them back? T- yeah, sends them back. So it's like, mm. and I thought, wow, that's a really cool kind of way of doing it, isn't it? A good little homage to the Matrix. Yeah, but it's also showing that it's the kindness yeah. that is the difference. Like yeah, viewing yeah. the world kindly and positively. Yeah, is... which was the lesson from Wayman sort of all along. Yes, yeah. yeah. His, his <laughs> Way of fighting the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um. What's this with joy? She has this battle with joy. Yeah. Falls back in towards the the bagel. bagel. She's yeah. going to go. Evelyn manages to pluck her out. Yeah. Uh, through motherly power. So I mean, that's the last. That's kind of like well, the kindness worked, but then Eve- I think Joy's like, well, I'm going in stuff here. 
Yeah. And then she's like, well, I'm not letting you go in. So now yes. the final battle is, even though Joy was the the villain, it's like, no, don't, the villain can't die. You know, I've got to save you mm, from she's, the baby. She's not really, the, the, the villain is actually the hopelessness. Hopelessness, that yeah. She's that's she's got to fight. Like, yeah. you know, Joy is just embodying it. Yeah. And so if she defeats the hopelessness, yeah. then she defeats the villain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about accepting her daughter in that moment, you know, accepting yes. that she's who she is. And You've dissolved people, turned them into kittens. Yeah. Whatever it is that she's done a couple of things <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 That's okay. And so she succeeds at that. She succeeds. And, yeah. and, and basically we get a, a victory, don't yeah, we? we get a victory, yeah. Um, which leads to a, a final image, which isn't all Guns and Roses. No. Or... Yeah, roses, as yeah. the case may be. Uh, but we do, we, we now we see the family, they're back at the IRS at the desk. Oh, oh sorry. And before that, oh, yeah. just before that, in that climax, we have that moment of all those alternative universes working out. So oh, Evelyn yes. and Wayman as the celebrities having a moment. Oh, that's right. Of, they meet, yes. They, they're, they're having the moment of we could have been together and maybe we could have even run a laundromat together. Yes. You know what I mean? And they don't they don't stay together. He walks away. But it was like we could have had a moment of love, like we we were in love. Yeah. Uh and then I know that the sausage fingers they embrace yes. and they've, you know, worked out their differences. And <laughs> raccoon raccoon Natui <laughs> is like taken away from the you know by the uh the pet inspectors or whatever. Yeah, and the control. chef's like, no, and then he tries to run down the road to get in and, you know, he can't. He can't keep up with the car. And then she goes, she goes, well, <laughs> I'll be the racket, the, 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 the man. And he hops on her head, doesn't he? And he, like, pulls her hair and she runs down the road, like, really fast to the car. Like, it's bizarre. Yes. But it's very, very entertaining. Um, yes. And it's a good, what was good about that was that, you know, comparing this film to something like The Matrix, that gave it that sort of comedy edge in a different way, didn't yeah. it? It made it quite funny and entertaining in other ways. Yeah, and I think in the the violent world, are they sort of the fight, the fight is ending kind of thing, is resolving. So you have all those sort of like all of those resolutions come around in one nice yes. package. You know, it's brilliantly done. It, it, yeah, I mean, it solves and uh, as I said, the, the final image at the IRS. As a family. As a family. Yeah. The uh, girlfriend drops them off, so it's like, oh, it's, that, yeah. they're all accepting. Yeah, they go, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, and I can see it as a parent, I'll be going, but you're still going to have kids, right? I want grandchildren. <laughs> like, this doesn't stop that, right? You you understand that. There's still going to be grandchildren involved. Uh, that That's my own personal biases there. That is. That is. So, kids, do whatever you like so long as I have grandkids. <laughs> that's fine. I don't care where you get them from, how you come across them. <laughs> Grandkids, that's, that's it. dangerous. Sorry, yeah, it's very yeah, well, dangerous. Well, you, you've got to be accepting, don't yeah. you? You know, you, if you're a kidnapper of babies, well, so be it. <laughs> it's okay, the baby won't know any different. So Evelyn has accepted. They go back to the IRS. The IRS. And Deidre. Deidre is is like um, barely accepting of the thing, and and tells that she's got to do better yeah. in the future. You, you've got to keep proper records. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you can see that she's going to. Yeah. And or well, maybe it doesn't matter. Because she smiles. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And um, her and Wayman had had that moment and, and, and everything's okay kind of thing. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it's great. They're all looking at each other and being nice. Yeah. It's lovely. It's, it is lovely ending. So, you know, it's a film that takes you on that hero's journey, at, but 
is embedded in such or imbued, sorry is a good word, with so many multiverses all in one and playing off those rules that we have seen in other sci-fi translating universes world, but this one does it in quite a funny and a unique way, um, yes. which is really interesting. And, and it sort of presented also broke it into parts, which is yeah. a very, um, I suppose it's a it's an indie trope, isn't it? Yeah. Where you have everything. Yeah. It's the first part, part two, everywhere, yeah. part three, all at once. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. Um, and having the, the black title card, that's, yeah. I'm not sure where that comes from exactly. I mean, it comes yeah. from the old silent cinemas or yeah. theatre, but it's definitely, you don't see it in mainstream no, films. No, you don't. It's no. definitely an indie trope. In fact, yeah. Uh, to bring up that Nope film, it also has the black yeah, right. and white title cards. Yeah, and I mean, Tarantino quite often does it to break up his acts. Like, he'll break mm. up his acts for you, only and put in those cards. So, yeah, I mean, it does come from the old cinema style, mm. you know, way back when it used to have to change a roll of film and things like that, and that actually intermission. Yes. <laughs> My dad, when he used to go to the cinemas, intermission. So, yeah, it's, it is, I think it's that old... Act one, act two, there's literally I, I, a break. You know? I actually think that some of these films are long enough that you could do with intermission. I think you could days. now. Avatar and the Marvel films and yeah, stuff I mean, like that could definitely do with trying a Trying to sit through a three-hour film and you're yeah. like, you know, I, I could do with getting up and stretching my legs. I think probably what they would like to do is charge you a second time, so charge you to go back the second time. Well, it wouldn't there. be unfair. I mean, an no. hour and a half film, it's, you pay the same price as a three-hour yeah. film, but the three-hour film takes up correct. double good. the length. Yeah. Yeah. No anyway, so let us know what you thought about our um, interpretation of everything everywhere all at once and how you felt about this plot and, you know, how did it make you feel and does it deserve all these awards? It's, a, it's quite an interesting story and I think we're going to see the Daniels back this up with something pretty amazing in the next couple of years with another film, I'd say, and probably also Michelle Yeoh as well being a superstar in her own right. Yeah, um, I think she'll you know, be... she's finally in the limelight as an A-lister. I think. Yeah, and, and I think, I think it's going to be difficult. This is the case as you get saying with debut musicians, where they they spent so long making their first album, mm. and then they get lots of success, and it's like <laughs> now you got to make a second album. You you have like six months to do it in, and millions of dollars because otherwise, you know, the the interest is waned. So, yeah. you know, how long? Uh, do filmmakers get after these big wins to be able to pull out another film and go, oh, we've got to make this film, you know, and well, do they, they have enough time to make it good? I, I mean, I'll say, I mean, even Ben Young, you know, who we had, yeah. um, you know, like he, he went from, you know, having his film at the Venice Film Festival to flying back to Perth and arriving in Perth and his Instagram had blown up because he'd had a lot of success at Venice and then his agents on the phone saying, you got to go back to the airport um, and fly to the UK. People want to talk to you, you know yeah. what I mean? So I would imagine the Daniels probably would have started having conversations with people. you got to remember this film kind of came out almost a year ago. Um, yeah, so people think- would have been knocking on their shoulders six months ago, you know, even before the Oscar yeah, success. The, I mean, you know, you like they, would, they had festival success with this film. you got to you think know, as the... Uh- as the various agents and studios, when they're pulling, whipping out all these Oscars, mm. the first thing, you, while they're actually, you're sitting in the audience watching the nomination, who's winning, they would be contacting saying, Yeah, yeah. 
get someone, find out who yeah. they are talking to yeah. and offer them $20 million for yeah. the next film. Yeah, yeah. Just upfront cash What's payment. What's their next idea? What's the next yeah, idea? We'll, we'll take be, their yeah. next idea. Book them for coffee on Monday morning. Yeah. Like, we'll, we're, we're serious. You know, we can green, you know, someone at the big studios can just green light things, you know, and be yeah. like, well, whatever your next idea is, let's have a chat Monday morning. You know, yeah. so... I think that would be happening really rapidly and it might have even been happening before the Oscars. So, um, yeah, I think they'll come back. But films obviously do take, as we know, a lot longer. So a little bit different with the albums, I think, for musicians sometimes. But I think we're going to see... I mean, Swiss Army Man, I really enjoyed that film. I, this I film, pretty good. I think, is a, a notch up on that one. And, you know, so where do they go from here? It's exciting times for them. So what about our ladder? What about some other films that you would recommend to an audience to maybe watch around this film, sorry? Uh, I'm picking up here on one that we haven't mixed in for ever maybe Mm -hmm. is The Lobster. Oh, yeah. This was our second film, episode two. And for those of you who don't recall exactly, it was also sort of a a dark comedy alternative sort of indie film. Uh, yeah. with a an odd premise, it is where you've got to find your partner in thirty days, or you become an animal. Yeah, yeah. You turn into an animal, and yeah, obviously the the main character we're following, he's chosen lobster. If yeah. he if he doesn't find anyone in thirty days, he'll become a lobster. Mm. Uh, so and that's that's quite um, it's a bit of a relationship comedy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I found it. Tremendously amusing. It's not a yeah. laugh out loud so no, much, no, but no. you do de- definitely. It's one definitely that you, you think about and go, "That is pretty funny." Yes, yeah, it is one that lingers. <laughs> and and then so then you'd watch yeah, everything everywhere all at once. And you'd back it up with um, Gora, oh, the, right, that yeah, Turkish, Gora, yeah, yeah, the Turkish cool. spoof on sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, only because it's it's following on, but it's a short and sharp film. It's it is laugh out loud. I I just about wheezed myself to death. <laughs> Uh, with my asthma on a couple of the the bits there. Yeah, Gora was great. It's, it is a bit inappropriate in various places. So if you're expecting a um, a, a woke tour de force of acceptance, <laughs> then you know yeah, you're, yeah. you're probably going to be a bit disappointed. It's not too bad. Like it's not atrocious. No, uh, it doesn't espouse horrendous ideals, but it is a bit risque. Yes, very yeah. funny though. I'd, that's that's the three I'd do. Is you'd be watching those. Yeah. And three comedies, a bit alternative, um, exploring similar um, yeah, yeah, parts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're a good choice, I reckon. Hmm. Yep. How about you? What are you up to? Um, well, we mentioned earlier tonight, I thought Gantz, um, point oh, I thought that one would be a good one to mix with it. Um, I also thought Freaks, You're One of Us. Oh, I yes. sort of thought that that had that bit alternative story structure. It also had... Kind of a bit of an odd, you know, we weren't in Freaks, You're One of Us. You didn't 100% know what was happening until kind of we were getting later in the story. So I just kind of, I liked that. And also was, I think, taking a premise that we've seen before, Mm. but then maybe from the German point of view, it was just a bit of a different narrative point that we came from and, um, yeah, had the surprise ending as well, that film. So, yeah, I, I think that would be an interesting one. I thought Gantz Zero had the weirdness and the uniqueness that we see in this film. Yeah. And then even another one, I know we normally just do three, but Internal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind as well. So I thought, you know, throwing, I know that's four. I didn't, you went the comedy route. I went more the weird route. The weird, <laughs> the weird seriously sort of the, route, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So the ones that would just be a bit more abstract and doing some weird stuff and if you just, 
Yeah, if you put those four films on a weekend rotation, I think you'd be going back to work on Monday in a different headspace. Weird. <laughs> yeah, you'd definitely have something to tell the colleagues at work. But let us know what you thought and what other films that you have looked at recently that maybe would be a good one to watch with this one. So what about science? Is this a science fiction film? Sorry. This is a very science fiction film. Why? This, well, this is exploring a bit of cosmology and there has been proposals regarding theories of consciousness whereby uh, our consciousness is not necessarily tethered to a particular I- interpretation, but rather mm-hmm. we follow our own universe and we yeah, yeah. we observe other people, but they aren't necessarily in the same universe as us. Right. Uh, which which leads to uh, this concept of quantum immortality, mm-hmm. whereby your consciousness basically follows along uh, the path where it's able to observe, because yeah. this is how the universe operates. And you know, in order for there to be a universe, you must be observing it, and so you just sort of stay in the bodies of the versions of you that live through everything. Mm. Yeah. Until there's no possibility of life any further. <laughs> And then who knows where you go after that? Yeah, it's the sliding doors stuff. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's so. Uh, but uh, and and this this film again, it it takes that you know what if we were to examine our life, our relationships, you know, our failures, and the things we've given up on, or things that we thought we'd never do. Mm. What if you know? What if we had to confront that and change yeah. that? Yeah. And of course, you could, there's lots of films that do this. Yeah. But this being science fiction, it means that you've taken this concept of multiple dimensions as a way of um, observing these alternative options and also a way of confronting these family issues and then cranked it, of course, up to 11 because that's usually where science fiction goes in order to make a point, in order to to bring that excitement or interest or to really drive home a point. It's not enough just to have mild subtlety overtones mm-hmm. of it you've got to go well yeah so she's going to have to fight her own daughter through these multiple weird universes yeah. and it's the bizarreness of life is going to be highlighted mm-hmm. yeah so uh-huh. definitely definitely science fiction and what type of science do you want to focus on then or what well, does this make you think about this well I, I was really thinking I, I really loved the fact that the sausages on the fingers <laughs> Because can evolution? Yeah, take you I mean, it path? it actually you know put forward this idea that she was able to cross over to a branching universe yeah. that had a version of her that evolved from a different branch millions of years in the past. Yeah, and so I had a bit of a bit of a dive into evolution and mm-hmm. the history of it and and evolutionary science. And we're talking about something I didn't actually know. I, I had a bit of a look at the graph of human ancestors well some of them are ancestors and some of them occurred uh, i guess the point at the same time yeah, so right. modern humans homo sapiens that we are yep we exist at the same time as neanderthals yes. we had a lot of overlap yeah, yeah that, in fact they were neanderthals as uh, as early as like twenty thousand years ago yep wow. um forty thousand years ago so when australian aborigines arrived and first started populating Australia in like around Germany and France, there were Neanderthals still. Right. That, like, wow. I was like, I, was, I wasn't entirely sure of the timelines of this, but I was yeah. like going, that's quite amazing. Yeah, and not is. to mention the fact then that there's also um, uh, Homo Heidelbergensis, Heidelberg man, hmm. was another branch coexisting with Neanderthals and just the beginnings of Homo sapiens. Yeah, right. So there were at that point... 
at least three advanced humans mm. uh, of different species. Yeah. Like at the moment now, there's only Homo sapiens, there's only one species. Yeah. Uh, we, we've managed to successfully divide ourselves up according to, you know, <laughs> fictional characteristics regarding hair and eye color and skin yeah, color yeah. and things because we get bored, I think. Yeah. Uh, we have to find something to do. But, uh, yeah, there were multiple things. And then also Homo florensis, which is very recently studied. This is the Jakarta Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. so it was an island off of the um, main island of Indonesia, Florence, Flores Island. Yeah, mm. they found evidence of these you know, short guys. They call them the hobbits because they're, they're sort of a pygmy race of, of, of human species mm. of humans, yeah. um, Homo florensis. So they were also around up until, you know, the past of 10,000 years or so. Mm, all right. uh, it's unclear exactly when they, they broke, you know, um, died out. Yep. But you look at the uh, stories of people uh, and, and the stories of, you know, little dwarf spirits and stuff and you go, well, actually you go back, there were modern humans coming up with stories about other, these, these creatures, you know, these other humans didn't look exactly like us, yeah, they were shorter, different. Uh, Neanderthals were, were a little bit shorter, a bit stockier. Uh, there were also um, Homo habilis, was it? Oh, geez. If you're an evolutionary biologist, get in touch with me and let me know. Correct but they were, they were more like, uh, they were close to modern humans, mm-hmm. but they were a bit more hairy and their skulls were a bit more ape like. Right. They were. Like what you'd picture, you know, the classic caveman mm. would look like. Yeah, right. Uh, and and so they were around with modern humans as well. Uh-huh. So right. you a can lot imagine of different people yeah, on the same. There planet. were a whole bunch of us. Yeah, and uh, we annihilated them all. We yeah, well, we outlived them. It's unclear <laughs> as to whether we annihilated them so much as um, outcompeted them is the term, I guess. Yeah. Survival of we we adapted better to we whatever was better. That's the... available. Political, well, correct way of saying. Well, it <laughs> if that's if that's that is sometimes because you know Darwin put forward this concept, this theory of evolution, which is still more or less the the accepted one, which is uh, through natural selection, which is to yeah. say that you know a a species has some particular traits mm. to it, which allows it to work better yeah. and outcompete. Yeah. You know, it it's uh, on average breeds better. Yeah, yeah. And part of that could be, for example, we, you know, we are better at defending our territory yeah. and obtaining resources. Yes. Uh, and which is, you know, we killed off a whole bunch of people. But in reality, we actually interbred with some of these. Mm. There's trace of DNA of, of Neanderthal and, and other yeah. people in us. Uh, and we did that. But we, you know, we often say we come from chimps. The reality is we don't. Chimps share a common ancestor with us. Yeah. So you go back about 8 million years, 6 to 8 million years, yeah. and there would have been some kind of primate chimpanzee-ish type thing, and one branch mm-hmm. of this would have moved in, you know, and they were going to happen yeah. on the savannas like, of Africa basically yeah, yeah. as opposed to the jungles of Africa. Yeah, so yeah. in the savannas where it, the, the trees grew apart and you got water pooling and so forth, it became advantageous to walk upright, yeah, yeah. Uh, having your hands free and being able to look around. Mm. Whereas if you're still in the jungle, which is where the, the chimps developed, yeah. they're better off not doing that. They still yeah. want to have grippy feet and hands. Yeah. Uh, and presumably it would have been around this stage that sausage fingers <laughs> evolved. Yeah, now, yeah. clearly in our universe, 
Sausage Fingers didn't beat. You know, yeah, like the, I would say it's more the, the 2001 yeah. a scene where the normal hands were able to grip the thigh bone and yeah. thus beat the Sausage Fingers down. Yeah, yeah. But it could as easily have been the case that that additional intelligence which allowed the tool use didn't evolve as fast yep. as the strength uh, and of numbness the of the sausages, <laughs> which would allow yeah. them to yeah. outcompete for resources yeah. and become the dominant species. Mm. I'm still not sure how they'd use those sausages for anything. No. Like, like they had <laughs> trouble undoing their buttons. And, you know, <laughs> that's they right. couldn't. Anyway, that's... They, that's did show, they did show that they used their feet to do other things, but... She yes. opened. She opened a beer bottle or yeah. something, didn't she? she yeah, she was using her feet for yeah, something. Yeah, so they use your feet, which is again, you would, you would ride. So oh, imagine. I guess so. Yeah, but um, recently, more recently, there's a study of what's called epigenetics. So the Darwin theory was posited without knowledge of genetics. Yeah, the, the DNA was not a thing they knew about. Yep, it was just through observation, yeah, pure uh, through fossil record, and as we've gone along. We've just found more evidence of it. Like yeah. we found proto-humans about the place and yeah. we found bits of DNA from earlier animals which shows a relationship to the DNA we have now. So we've seen this genetics. Yeah. But more recently we've got this uh, interesting study of epigenetics, which is – so we know about, for example, you hit by a bit of ionizing radiation from UV light or X-rays or mm-hmm. just, you know, that's probably all that naturally happens really, mm. gamma rays from space. And it will actually damage or alter your DNA, yeah. which will produce a mutation. So your children uh, might come out a little bit taller or a little bit shorter or mm. heavier or better at storing fat or building muscle or yeah. who knows any number of or things. Or shooting webs out of your Or shooting wrists. webs from their wrists, <laughs> which, you know, that's, I tried to go for that myself. And yeah. I, I mean, I shot my nuts with so much fucking x-rays no, and radiation. Right. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> Would explain a few things. Um yeah, but this epigenetics is the alteration of gene expression without altering the DNA itself. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a given bit of DNA and it has within it a whole heap of uh, what you might call potential. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the ability to um, produce any number of uh, attributes or traits within a creature. Uh-huh. If you expose that creature then to various stimuli, stresses, um, it could be... Good food, bad food, smoke, stress, exercise, yep. whatever, different parts of the DNA get activated. So different hormones come along and proteins, you know, latch on and and make different parts of your DNA active. Okay. It, it's always been there, but they're not doing anything. Mm. And this is called gene expression, where it then now it starts happening. Yeah. So this is the case, for example, where uh, you're fine until you have kids. You have an increase in stress from kids. Your hair starts going grey. Mm. You always had the opportunity to have grey hair, and indeed, yep. as you get older, you probably will have grey hair. Mm-hmm. But the stress from the kids has now activated that part. Yeah, and that, and that's really interesting because what they're showing there's things like um, you know diabetes type two, uh, heart disease, some cancers, and so forth can be epigenetically um, induced or yeah. prevented. Yeah, it can also go down to as far down as your grandchildren. So they found, for example, um, people who are, say, and it's through the male lines, the Y chromosome carries epigenetic information. Right. So if the man donor, the Y chromosome donor, (laughs) is probably the better way because, in fact, there are some uh, people who are born 
physically resembling uh, what would say would be female, you know, female yeah. genitalia, so but actually carry a Y chromosome. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the whole argument about men are X and Y and women are XX, not true, really. It's not 100%. Yeah, you know, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of variation here. But the Y chromosome carries the epigenetics. Right. And so they had a look, for example, at um, Civil War survivors in, in the United States. They had uh-huh. fairly good records of military service and so forth. And prisoners who got captured in, in, in prisoner war camps uh-huh. and the subsequent release... And they're having a look, and they looked at the men who were in the worst of the prison war camps uh, had an 11% more death. They, right. they died earlier, 11% more earlier, I'm not sure, of cancer and heart disease primarily. Mm-hmm. Their children also, even though their conditions, they didn't suffer that stress anymore, you know, they're actually probably quite well mm. off, also died earlier. Not as much, but they still had a higher rate. And their grandchildren had an effect, not a significant, like not a statistically significant, mm. but there's still a noticeable effect. Wow. Um, so that that stress that they had from the prison war camps was handed down. There's this uh, transmitted trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, an experiment done, and I can't remember the guys who did it, terribly cruel, <laughs> not really, maybe. So they got a bunch of rats and they introduced a smell uh, of, I think it was like cherry blossom or something, something should be nice. Mm-hmm. And then they'd give them a little zap. Yeah. yeah. Nothing too bad, but a bit of a stress uh, as they do. And they conditioned this cherry blossom smell uh, until the point where they give them the smell and then they would experience stress. And then, of course, they checked out their children. Give them the smell, their stress levels also went up. Mm, wow. So like this passing male of rats, of course, or the, the Y-carrying rats, I and mean, we can't really ask the rats whether they feel masculine or not so <laughs> we just have to call them male rats because that's what we call them yeah uh so it's a very fascinating uh, little bit of, of research i think which i think it does sort of tend to show that your choices you make prior to having kids can in fact affect your sons and your grandsons yeah yeah which sure. is I, it, it made when i was reading this i was I was thinking back, what was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in what condition was I when I had those children? Yeah. Yes, because I'm looking at my son going, oh, I wonder I wonder if, you know, well, actually I ran I ran you my ran first marathon. <laughs> no, I ran my first marathon. Uh, so I actually ran a marathon just before uh, we got pregnant with Elliot. Mm. I ran my second marathon while my wife was pregnant with Elliot. So mm. I was... I was extremely fit. Uh, you know, I, I could run not super fast, but very consistently for like four yeah. hours or five hours like, at, at yeah. a go. You know, I, so much so when I went in for my vasectomy, they did the they put the heart rate monitor up on yeah. me, and my resting heart rate was like forty, which is really low. Mm. And they took it off and manually checked my <laughs> heart rate because yeah. I, went, oh, I won't trust the machine there. Yeah, yeah. And then they asked me questions about that. You know, do yeah. I have any conditions? And I said, well, I was actually at the time I was training for my third marathon, mm. uh, but injury, uh, my bloody leg. Mm. I, I can't really run properly anymore now. So be careful about running marathons. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they hurt. But uh, yes, yeah, so I'm wondering now if that shouldn't have affected my daughter because unless she has a Y chromosome, I don't know. Mm. Haven't tested it in it, but probably doesn't. Uh, but my son, it'd be interesting to see if he has any, uh, I don't know, effect from that. Yeah. He he could be more naturally um, enduring. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Or it could affect him some other way. Yeah. 
it might have stunted his growth. Maybe. If if it has, I'll, I won't let him listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if it has, don't run marathons is what you're yes. telling people out there. If they want to have children. Yes. Might be the case. <laughs> or, uh, or, or just wait to find out. Maybe maybe my son will be really good. Yeah. And so then the, the advice should be should. run. Yeah, 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 definitely yeah. do That's it. That's right, yeah. Do it by all means. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Look after yourself, I guess, is the best thing I can say. Definitely, definitely. So ultimately, Sausage Fingers could happen. Ultimately, Sausage Fingers is is not only plausible, it's almost inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it, it what just came would have first? About eight million years. The movie or the Sausage Fingers? Eight million years ago, if we hadn't you know, picked up that femur a la yeah. 2001 and, and beaten the Sausage Fingers to death, yeah. it could be a, a very different and far messier present day. It could be. Okay, so that brings us to the end of episode 99. Um, think about giving us a review, sharing us around with your friends, sending a bit of love our way. Uh, you can do that, you know, on our socials, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can give us a tick or a star or, you know, write a review or, as I said, just share it to your mates is always great ways to support us. Um, you can find us on spacebrains.com, uh, .au. .au. You can get in touch with us uh, via Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Ask questions, send us your responses, let us know how we're going and any maybe future episodes you'd like to listen to us. Also, think about heading up and buying a ticket if you can. Or, again, sharing that information to people you know and love. Oh, yeah, look, uh, the, the workshops there, anyone that you know who likes to maybe write or curious about podcasts. Yeah, or filmmaking. Uh, and then, yeah, and definitely come along to the screening to hear about the filmmaking uh, and see some amazing films. Yeah, we can't wait. So, again, those tickets can be found on our website or through Humanitix. You can just search for Space Brains. If you can't find it, Send us a message. We'll help you out. Give me a call. My number is. <laughs> That's right. Um, and being episode 99, I believe if my maths are right, next week will be episode 100. Hang on, let me check. 99 plus 1. Yep, that's 100. And uh, this is, I was quite excited when, when we had the list of op- options. Yes. Because I'm quite a fan of the Rick and Morty cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily one of the creators, apparently. Mm. He's a bit dodge. Oh. But... In that they have the Cronenberg universe. They do. Where, they? where all of the, they turn inside out all the time and they're gross. <laughs> and so we're going to do The Fly. The Fly. Which is gross. It is gross. But it has got Goldblum yeah, in it. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. He Jeff, plays Jeff the is in there. So key character. Uh, we, we love the films he's in, like Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's a great actor. And I mean, this is a film as well that I was a bit young when it came out. But I kind of got some, you know, cheeky glimpses at it as a kid and realising it's looking pretty disturbing. And then it is one that I think I watched at about the age of 12, something mm. like that, 12 or 13. So a few years like you know, after it had been out. And it is. It's a gross-out, fantastic horror. It was perfect for the age I was at. I've never gone back and watched it again. So I, I haven't either. I've seen I'm it once. I'm quite excited to – and I know there's a sequel and I saw the sequel, but – I'm quite excited that when we've decided this one to actually go back and watch it because, yeah, it has been quite a some time for me, but I do remember parts of it. And yeah. so it's going to be interesting whether it's stood the test of time or, you know, whether it's even better because of that. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. So The Fly, episode 100. Fly, 1983. 
three? Yeah, or four. Some line like that. Something the like 1980s that. version, not the old 1950s yeah. version. Yeah, don't go that far back. So, yeah, the one with Jeff Goldblum. That's the one we'll be doing. So go check it out. Like, we're going to watch it. And then that way you're ready to listen to our next episode of Space Brains. See ya. Bye. Bye.